The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red western corner of the bright blue state of Maryland. Hello once again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwald, and thank you so much for joining me once again. As you probably know by now, we're always looking for listener commentary. If you have some thoughts that you would like to share, you can contact us at the Treehouse of Liberty podcast on Facebook. That's the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. You can also message me at my personal page there on Facebook, which is Jason Fornwalt. My last name is F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. And you can also reach me at jdfornwalt at gmail.com. And again, my last name is F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. And thank you so much if you choose to do that. You guys may have heard this week that Democrats are basically trying to change everything about our system from how we elect our president to uh, how we put justices on the Supreme Court. Um, You know, they're proposing lowering the voting age to 16, um, which on the surface level kind of seems like a halfway decent idea. I mean, for gosh sakes, you know, we let kids drive at 16, you know, and they're basically wielding 2,500 pound, you know, lethal weapons, and we don't have any problem with that, you know, so why not let them vote, right? Um, one of the simplest reasons for that is uh, one of the things that Benjamin Franklin said. Um, he said, any man under 20 who is not a liberal is heartless, but any man over 20 who is not a conservative is brainless. And it's true. I, I think when we were all younger, we all had a lot of liberal tendencies. I mean, you know, you see somebody struggling. What do you want to do? You want to you give them a hand up and help out where you can. Um, you know, I mean, we all we all looked at the world through a different set of glasses than we do now uh, that we're a little bit older and see how the world works. And now that we get paychecks and we see what the federal government takes out of them. Um, and some of those kids at 16 would start to see that, you know, with their, their first or second job, you know, getting introduced to the working world. Um, you know, I think they'd be, become a little bit more conservative as they're trying to save up money to purchase that first car or whatever the case may be. And, you know, they're making $10 an hour and they're bringing home seven, you know, I mean, it's going to have some kind of an impact. But I really think that most younger people tend to be fairly liberal. Um, You know, you do have those exceptions, you know, like my, my little brother growing up, he used to watch Rush Limbaugh's TV show all the time, hardcore, hardcore conservative. Uh, and then he got an internship uh, here in Maryland. He actually worked for uh, Lieutenant Governor then Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, and she had the opportunity to sit in. He had the opportunity to sit in Bobby Kennedy's chair, and uh, through some magical forces or whatever it was, or the spirit of uh, RFK occupying his body, uh, he's become one of the most liberal people that I know. Um, but I think most younger people do tend to be fairly liberal, and I, I think that's why Democrats would go after lowering that voting age, because they figure those people are going to vote for them. They've also proposed doing away with the Electoral College. Um, there's a very simple reason for that. They expect to uh, be able to comp- campaign in California and New York and Illinois with Chicago there. Um, you know, all these liberal strongholds that have all these electoral votes – you know, and as long as they maintain their ground, they don't have anything to worry about. You know, our, our founders put us in a position where we weren't going to be dominated by the big cities. You know, they provided representation to the rural areas of the country as well, and I think that's a good thing. 
you know, I, I don't think that President Trump even campaigned in California. Uh, if he did, it was, you know, maybe once in the northern part of the state. But Republicans have basically ceded California to the Democrats at this point. Same thing with New York. Same thing with the state of Maryland, where I live. Um, and I think it's a mistake to uh, take represent- representation away from what a lot of liberals like to call flyover country, you know, the, the heart of the country, uh, your Nebraskas, your Montanas, your, you know, Oklahomas, um, that don't necessarily have the population, but those people deserve uh, the same representation that the, the people in the larger cities are getting. Democrats also want to have illegal aliens counted in the census, and this just kind of blows my mind. Um, You know precisely why they're doing that. You know, it's like the liberals are the ones pushing the sanctuary cities and the sanctuary states, and so the illegal aliens that we do have coming in are flooding those areas, and of course, Democrats want to count those because that's going to give them more population, which is going to give them more representation uh, in the House of Representatives. You know, I mean, it's like they just keep trying to change everything to benefit them. And I I really think our founders had it right, making sure that everybody had some kind of halfway decent representation. You know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, a a lopsided baseball game. You know, you got one team that's up 12 nothing. They've hit six home runs in the game already. You know, the other team can't get the ball out of the infield, you know, and the the team that's losing, the manager goes out to the umpire and says, uh, hey, ump, uh, he said, uh, we're not able to, uh, you know, hit the ball over the wall or anything. So what do you say we go ahead and change the rules? And if one of my guys hits the ball past the pitcher's mound, it's a home run. You know, I mean, you absolutely cannot do stuff like that. You can't change the rules in the middle of the game. And that's what the uh, Democrats are trying to do. You have to win within the rules. You have to work within the system that's in place, you know. The biggest mistake that Hillary Clinton made was she she ran a poor campaign. You know, I mean, she preached to the strongholds that she already had. She didn't step out anywhere else. You know, she didn't go into the rural red states and the rural red areas and even try to, to campaign to those people. You know, and if you don't do that, you deserve to lose. If you don't understand the way the founders set up our system and you don't plan your campaign and execute it accordingly... You deserve to lose. It really is that simple. And then, of course, we've got Beto O'Rourke, who I don't even understand the concept of him running for president in the first place. You know, I mean, he got all the free airtime in the world from CNN, you know, and he still couldn't beat Ted Cruz in Texas. It's like losing in the semifinals and the Democrats go ahead and put him in the finals. You know, I mean, it's like we're... We're taking a loser and we're advancing him in the bracket. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, but there again, you know, if Hillary had been elected and she was able to put two justices on the Supreme Court, you know, oh, okay, it's fine now. You know, we're not going to worry about it. We don't have to, uh, we don't have to change anything because the system works the way it's supposed to. It's like, come on, guys. You know, I mean, you, you have to compete and you have to do so fairly. And if you're not able to do that, it's time to look at your party, not at the system. Ladies and gentlemen, it is once again my high honor and distinct privilege to introduce another commentary from a regular contributor to the show, Mr. Clay Moore of Macon, Georgia. Clay identifies himself as a Christian conservative. He is 62 years old and has a bachelor's in management from Pensacola State College. 
40 plus years in retail management, and he's a veteran of the United States Army, 1975 to 78. And I happen to know that Clay was an MP also, uh, as was I. And I have a feeling that's probably one of the reasons that we felt like brothers as soon as we met. Um, but Clay has entitled this The Left Wing and Hypocrisy Towards Conservatives, Part 1. <laughs> this is a little bit lengthy here. Uh, I'm looking forward to parts 2 through 20 or 25, whatever it may be. Uh, but even though this is a little bit long, I'm going to use the whole thing because I think it's just spectacular. Clay says, the left is the party of tolerance and acceptance for all. That would be well and good if it wasn't a blatant lie. The real quote should be, the left is the party of tolerance and acceptance for all who believe our way. Not true, you say? Lies, you say? Let us look at some truth and facts, shall we? The left says that all women should be treated equal and fair, and movements like feminism and Me Too are all about the advancement of women's rights. Actually, to be accurate, accurate I should say women's lefts instead. Conservatives and Republican women like Sarah Sanders, Sarah Palin, Condoleezza Rice, and others who have been unfairly treated and slammed by politicians, television, and the mainstream media. Everyone on the left and other loons think Palin said, I can see Russia from my house. When in reality, that was actually said by Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live in a skit in 2008. The actual quote was, there are next door neighbors and you can actually see Russia from land here in Alaska, from an island in Alaska. And that is true. Yet you ask a lot of people, even today, years later, and all they remember is the Tina Fey quote that they attribute to Sarah Palin. Do you honestly think Hillary Clinton, Pelosi, Cortez, Omar, Warren, or any other liberal woman would be misrepresented and treated this way? I can't think of any instances. When female conservative writers and journalists like Ann Coulter, Judge Pirro, Michelle Malkin, and others are invited to guest lecture at colleges and institutions, the liberal professors whip up their students into a frenzy to protest their visits. Flag burning, destruction of property, and threats against the speaker's life and welfare are thrown around, and in many cases, the school has no choice but to rescind their offer to speak. Yet when a Hillary Clinton, Rachel Maddow, Elizabeth Warren, or other left-wing women are asked to lecture, the conservatives, if there are any at the schools, remain silent and respectful, and you never hear a riots or protest from them. I do not know when or where or how liberals lost their fairness and decency, but if I were a moderate Dem, which are becoming fewer and fewer, I would be shocked and appalled by the modern-day Democratic Party. The hatred, intolerance, and disrespect shown by the left is both sad and unfair. I will close by leaving you with one of my favorite quotes by a person whom I consider a great American. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Ronald Reagan. God bless you all, and God bless the United States of America. Man, I can definitely tell you this. If you are a nail and Clay is around, you had better fear for your safety because he will smack you right on top of the head. Um, you know, one of the people that he brought up right away was Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I tell you what, this lady has got to be the most talented person in the entire Trump administration. I have so much admiration for her. Um, not only is she polished and poised and professional, but she's so intelligent. She is so quick on her feet. Um, you know, and, and she is being accosted, and I use that term on purpose because I think about Jim Acosta uh, when I say this. She's accosted by these members of the liberal media on a daily basis, and she never loses control. You never see her get upset. You never see her crack. She stays cool, and it's Acosta that ends up yanking the microphone out of the hands of an intern. You know, um, 
it's absolutely ridiculous the way she's treated on a daily basis uh, by the members of the the press corps. And, you know, when they go after the president, I mean, it's like she is a freaking pit bull that just stands up to him, um, you know, won't take no for an answer. And she's going to she's going to set you straight if you don't understand what the facts are. Um, you know, you might think at first glance, well, she was born Sarah Huckabee. So she's Mike Huckabee's daughter. So she had an in into politics. Absolutely not true. Um, her first job in politics was stuffing envelopes for her father on his first campaign. In other words, she was in politics and she was working in politics before her father had ever been elected to anything. You know, she has picked herself up. She has worked for everything that she's gotten, um, you know, and, and she's made it all happen, you know, and it really does bother me, too. Like it bothers Clay that when we have liberal women in these situations, I mean, look at the pedestal that Hillary Clinton's been put on. You know, and the only thing she did was carpetbag herself from Arkansas to New York after her husband had been president of the United States and rode his coattails, you know, in an absolutely blue district when she knew she couldn't get elected in a red one, you know, and and <laughs> tried to make something of her career from there. You know, yeah, she ended up being secretary of the state, but why? I mean, it's like when you compare what Sarah Sanders has done to what Hillary Clinton has done and how Sarah Sanders got there compared to how Hillary Clinton got there. Why is Sarah Sanders not the one that we're putting up on the pedestal? And as far as I know, Sarah Sanders hasn't violated the Espionage Act either, but that's just a minor detail. Um, another lady that I have the utmost respect for, uh, Clay touched on this also, is Condoleezza Rice. Um, First African-American woman to be Secretary of State. I don't remember a single Democrat standing up and saying, you know, what a great day this was for women or for African-Americans um, when she was appointed and confirmed to that position. You know, I, I might have missed something, but I don't remember that. And let's keep in mind that it was a Republican administration. Let me say that again. A Republican administration that appointed the first black woman to Secretary of State. Where are you at, Democrats? Did you not have anybody that was qualified that could do that? You know, where are you guys coming from? How are you criticizing us? How are you calling us the misogynists and the racists when we're the ones providing the opportunity to people, no matter what plumbing they have or what shade their skin tone is? You know, as if being Secretary of State wasn't enough, she was also the provost of Stanford University, kind of a prestigious college. You know, it's not exactly East Podunk Community College. You may have heard of Stanford. If not, maybe you've heard of Notre Dame, where she got her master's. You know, and she ends up getting a doctorate from the School of International Studies at the University of Denver. And prior to that, she was National Security Advisor for George W. Bush. I mean, it's like, what else do you want? You know, you want to celebrate the, the success of women? Right there is where you start. And yet Democrats don't do that. You know, unless you're a woman that toes their line and says and does what they tell you to do and say, they don't care what you accomplish. And I'm going to take it a step further. You know, this is one one guy that Clay didn't touch on. He was specifically talking about women in, in what he was talking about. But let me throw in Dr. Ben Carson. The youngest chief of neurosurgery in the history 
of Johns Hopkins Hospital. Johns Hopkins quite possibly being the best hospital in the country. Youngest chief of neurosurgery. Bachelor's of psychology from Yale. You know, graduated with his doctorate with honors from the University of Michigan. <laughs> As a surgeon, specialized in a bunch of stuff that I can't say, but I'm sure it was important. You know, <laughs> one of the procedures that um, he really pioneered and, and kind of brought back into the mainstream was doing a hemispherectomy, which I understand is the actual removal of half of the brain to treat severe epilepsy in kids. Pediatric neurosurgery was his forte and his strength and what he presided over. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a serious accomplishment. Where are the Democrats saying, man, look how great this is to see a black man so, success so successful in this position leading his field? You know, and on top of that, he's got six bestsellers to his credit. It, Democrats don't care about the first this or the first that or the first anything. They don't care about women. They don't care about minorities. They care about people who tow their party line. And meanwhile, it's Republicans that are putting women and minorities in these major positions. And you know what? They're not doing it so they're putting women and minorities in these major positions. They're doing it because those people are the most qualified. And so they don't have to make a point about sex or race. They just put the best possible person in that position. I don't celebrate a woman because she's managed to pretend she was an American Indian for all of her life. It's disgusting. Who's got it right? Not Democrats. So President Trump made a decision this week that I am extremely excited about. Uh, he announced that he wants the full Mueller report to be made public. Um, unfortunately, this is one of those times that the President of the United States doesn't have the final say on something. It'll be his Attorney General, William Barr, who decides uh, what, if anything, in the report is going to be released to the general public. And at this point, I think it really would be a disservice to the American people to not let us see, let us hear uh, the evidence that Mueller came up with or, you know, in the case of collusion, the lack of evidence that he came up with, because at this point, you know, we all know there was no collusion. And that's why they have eight different congressional committees looking into everything the president has ever done from his taxes to his business deals to, I swear, how many times he farted in 1976. Democrats are so absolutely desperate to find something that they can hammer this president on. They're, they're leaving no stone unturned. They're going to investigate him this entire four years. I hope they impeach him, you know, and I hope it happens not too far out from the election because we saw the, the spike in popularity that Bill Clinton got when he was impeached. Impeach this president and see what happens. Um, but it, it's very easy for a child to see uh, why the Democrats aren't going after the president on his record. Let me just give you a quick rundown of the things that he's accomplished in spite of being investigated nonstop for these last two years. We've achieved the lowest unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, and differently abled people in the history of the United States, ever. We have the lowest unemployment in the country since 1969 when Neil Armstrong was taking his giant leap for mankind. 87% of all Americans got a tax cut. 
the stock market has hit about 190 record highs. He's brought back the manufacturing jobs and the new plants that Obama said were never coming back. We found out this week that ISIS has lost its final stronghold in the Middle East, essentially destroying the caliphate. Chairman Kim is no longer lobbing missiles over our allies. Vladimir Putin is no longer stealing parts of sovereign countries with no response from us, as he was able to do with uh, Obama and Crimea. Putin is not being told our president will have more flexibility after his election. You want to talk about collusion? Let's freaking start there, can we? Go tell Vladimir I'll have more flexibility after my election. Those were President Obama's exact words. You know, I'll cater to him as soon as I bamboozle the American people and pretend that I have their interest in mind, not his. You know, and then we're going we're gonna to go after Donald Trump? Really? About Russia? The hell out of here. Um, we have more Americans working right now than ever before. There are more Americans working right now than ever in the history of the country. You know, I mean, we're no longer finding the working poor because they can't afford health insurance, as we did under Obamacare. Food stamp usage as it is at its lowest level in 10 years. Of course, it was through the roof, highest ever when Obama was president. We've become energy independent and are a net exporter of oil. We are a net exporter of oil. And there's a possibility that in a very near future, we're going to become a bigger exporter than Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Think about what that means to our economy. Never would have found out under Barack Obama. You don't have any Democrats proposing that, do you? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, the last time we were a net exporter of oil, Bing Crosby had the number one hit in the country 75 years ago. 75 years ago. I mean, these records are freaking ridiculous when you think about how long it's been, you know, since things were anywhere near this good. And even then, they weren't this good all at the same time. Trump's DOJ supports the police. You know, we're not constantly trying to indict them for civil rights violations. And by the way, every time Barack Obama and Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch tried, they failed. As many cops as they tried to nail to the wall, they did not get one single civil rights violation. None. I mean, it's insane. You know, and what could President Trump be doing if he hadn't had to fight this investigation for the last two years? This meaningless, pointless, you know, politically charged investigation. We know there was no collusion. But this is why the Democrats continue to do these things. That's why, like I said, they've got eight different House committees investigating it, because you cannot, they cannot challenge him on his record. They can't. They got nothing. The economy is booming. Unemployment is ridiculously low. The stock market is exploding. The world is more peaceful. ISIS has less of a stronghold. It's like, what can you talk about if you're a Democrat? What's bad? You know, they don't have anything. It's why they have to make this stuff up, you know. <laughs> and it's the same reason that they call you and I racists. You know, that's what Democrats do when they can't form a logical argument. <laughs> they start a bullshit investigation or they call you a racist and run away like a little name-calling kid. You know, it, and personally, I love it. I love it because every investigation they open, every time they call him a racist, it's their admission 
Mr. President, you're doing such a bang-up job. I can't criticize you on something real. You know? <laughs> Donald Trump needs to be patting himself on the back and having the most smug smile in that mirror you've ever seen in your life. Democrats have nothing. Trump has been one of the greatest presidents in our history, and he's done it in two years. Sorry, Democrats. In the debates, you're going to have to talk about that. Good luck. You know, one of the things that really bothers me when we see Muslims elected to office in this country is the people out there that will say, you know, how dare we elect these un-American people? You know, how dare we elect people that want to impose Sharia law? How dare we elect people that want to destroy our country from the inside? Um, you know, we have the right to practice our religion freely. We have the right to vote for whoever we want to vote for. Um, you know, and, and we do that. And if we elect Muslims, Jews, Christians, Satanists, whatever, um, you know, that's that's on us. That's our choice. That's our opportunity. Um, but something came to light this week that disturbs me <laughs> very deeply, to put it mildly. Um, the Washington Free Beacon has reported that Ilhan Omar, a uh, freshman Democrat in Congress, uh, who happens to be a Muslim, has been holding secret closed-door fundraisers um, with groups that are tied to Islamic terrorism. Um, she has done so with Islamic Relief, which has been investigated by the United States government for efforts to aid Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, if you don't know those two names, you probably should. Um, Hamas attacks one of our allies in Israel, um, almost constantly, you know, lobbing missiles in and, um, you know, other other kinds of attacks. You know, um, they're one of those groups in the Middle East, like many, unfortunately, in the Middle East, that would be just fine seeing Israel wiped off the map. Um, you know, and we actually have a congresswoman that is, I'm going to say it, conspiring with those groups. Um if they were regular fundraisers, if there was nothing to hide, you know, they'd be open. Most political fundraisers are open. Uh, anyone can attend. Uh, any media outlet can have access. Um, you know, and the organizers of these events have blocked all media, and they've made absolutely sure that the only people that have been in these, uh, in these fundraising events are the people that they want there. And obviously whatever they're discussing, they don't want made public. Um, the other group, in addition to Islamic Relief, is CARE, uh, which is probably the biggest Muslim adv advocacy group in the United States. What a lot of people might not realize is that CARE has also been named as part of a large network of groups that support Hamas. Now, this is not an investigation. The federal government has come out and flat out said CARE has provided aid to Hamas. So they're aiding a known terrorist organization and our our representative is aiding them and they are aiding her you know if we want to talk about collusion and conspiracies you know that's that's the topic of the day why don't we talk about this i mean it's frightening you know i mean i i understand we all have different beliefs and I don't care what your faith is. If you're a good person, you're a good person. If you're not, you're not. Um, and that's not specific to any religion. 
you know, there are true Satanists that, you know, they don't worship the devil. I mean, they just look at it as, you know, live your life the way you want to. Good people. Yeah, they're a good Satanist, I know. Shocker. Um, but, you know, Jews and Christians, I mean, there's, there's wonderful Jews and Christians. There's horrible Jews and Christians. It's not specific to any one faith. I mean, yeah, we've got 9-11, which uh, on the biggest stage in the history of the world um, showed us what a Muslim terrorist group can do. And, and obviously that's seared into the minds of every American and most people around the world um, that witnessed what happened on that day. But I, I just can't believe, I cannot believe that we have a congresswoman who is working with groups that we know fund Islamic terrorist groups. You know, it was one thing when she was posting anti-Semitic tweets. And, of course, Nancy Pelosi is just like, well, you know, we'll just put something out that condemns, you know, all people that say stuff that's not very nice. I hope she doesn't drop the ball as badly in this case. You know, I mean, if we want to if we want to go after people that are working with foreign entities against the best interest of the United States, here it is. It, it's not about faith. It's about protecting the country. And if Nancy Pelosi's not going to do it, then Donald Trump needs to. And if they can't, then we the people need to stand up. And so that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. If you would like your listener commentary to be a part of the podcast, there's a couple of different ways you can reach me. You can email me at jdfornwalt at gmail.com, J-D, F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom, at gmail.com. You can also send me a message on Facebook. It's Jason Fornwalt. Again, it's F-O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom. And if you do message me or send me an email, please put listener commentary, listener commentary in the subject line or as the first part of the message that you send. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day, evening, night. If there's another time of day you can have, I hope you have a great one of those too, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. Thank you so much. This has been the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fornwalt. Take care.